Warning. The podcast you are about to experience may contain content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Welcome to Villainology, a podcast revolving around our favorite personifications of humanity's darker side, and what truly makes them the scourge of their respective worlds. I am your host, Rob Mobley, and this episode is going to be quite an adventure for me personally, and I'll tell you a little bit more about why that is in just a moment. For those of you that are new here, the basic idea is that I present each guest an opportunity to discuss at length someone who is widely considered to be a villain, and to offer their own personal insight as to why they find them so intriguing. These opinions are totally subjective, and I find that hearing the thoughts of other people on someone you either love to hate or hate to love helps to better understand these characters as a whole. Our guest today is someone who I first met in New York City when I did a cabaret he directed based off the Nightman Cometh from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and have since worked on a ton of projects together in that area. He also haunts karaoke bars and has a board game collection that would make even the Smithsonian blush, Mr. Tony Patron. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me on here. You are just as much of a pop culture consumer as I am, so what exactly do you look for in a good villain? You know... It's going to be weird to say, but he's got to be relatable. There's a time and a place for the goofy, outlandish, mustache, twirly villain. They all have their places, and those, and I'm fine with those. But to find a good villain that you can, that you're afraid of, and that you can also empathize and sympathize with, I, I, on a certain level, I think that's what makes a really good villain. I'm, I'm right there with you on that. And so, speaking of that, tell us, Tony Patron, which villain have you chosen? This man is an uh, older gentleman. He is uh, a businessman. On the outside, he clearly wants to uh, do good for his community, but behind the scenes, he is as shady as he comes. Murder, kidnapping, drug running, even more murder. And that man is Kai Proctor. Can I help you with something, Mr. Proctor? I always had very good relations with your predecessors. Yeah. You bought them. Sometimes laws need to be bent, broken, for the greater good. I know you agree with that. No. You know nothing about me. Well, clearly not as much as I should. But there's a lot you don't know as well. My family's been here for 160 years. I've lived here my entire life. I am this town. I helped build it, and I bled for it. Have you ever loved anything like that? I have. You see, people here don't always approve of the way I go about things. But from what I've seen since you got here, you're not very different from me in that regard, so... What puzzles me is why you seem to hold me in such contempt. So I mentioned in the beginning that this is going to be quite an adventure for me. This is the first villain on this show that I have literally no idea who this person is. I, n- I know nothing about who we're talking about right now. Can you give us a little background on Kai Proctor? 
Sure, I'm, I'm going to go even a little bit wider out, and one another reason why I picked this uh, this character. Uh, l- l- let's go back to the, the the great year of 2013. What a great this, year that was! That was a great year. Hot 2013. Year. TV was you know really hitting its stride. You know, Netflix wasn't really the huge conglomerate that it is now. Like it was around, but it wasn't as big as it is now. You know, Hulu wasn't that big. None of the TV services had streaming apps yet. There was no Peacock. There's no CBS Now or ABC Access. None of that stuff. It was the but Wild West. It was. But most of these channels did start to realize that they need to have like much like how the 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 video game consoles all had their mascot. You know, Nintendo has Mario, Sega had Sonic, PlayStation has Crash Bandicoot. Let's sure. say networks started to have like their shows. AMC had Mad Men and Walking Dead and Breaking Bad. HBO had Girls, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire. Showtime had Dexter, Homeland, FX had Sons of Anarchy, American Horror Story. All these shows, all these networks had these huge shows, and Cinemax had nothing. They had barely anything. They were mostly known for showing softcore pornography at all hours of the morning. We love Skinemax, <laughs> right? So around early. 2010s they had a, a new head of like management they're like listen we need to start developing our own shows for this network what are they going to be i don't know we're used to showing porn let's roll with that <laughs> so <laughs> oh shit we actually have to have something of substance on our network yeah so along comes a show banshee four seasons only each season was 10 episodes long the last one was only eight didn't really have a huge following in the beginning but the last three seasons all have 95 and above on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Some of the people that have worked on the show you've seen elsewhere. Frankie Faison is in it. He plays a character named Sugar Bates. Him and another actor named Chance Kelly went on to do roles in Luke Cage. Oh, sure. Broadway's Hoon Lee plays a character in it. Tom Pelfrey from Iron Fist. Both of them are in Iron Fist. They have roles in like, And then the main character, Lucas Hood, is Anthony Starr, who you all, everybody mostly now knows as uh, Mr. Homelander. My boy. <laughs> so, like, one of the reasons why I picked this is I want people to, one, look back on this work to see how great it is, and two... This villain, oh man, let's talk about Kai Proctor. So, to get into Banshee, Banshee takes place in a small town in Pennsylvania called Banshee, Pennsylvania. It's, you know, a little spit dot on a map. You drive through it, and if you miss it, if you blink. It was a tiny town. This show, the town in this show, there is everything there. There is Amish people. There is Ukrainian mobsters. There are corrupt army bases. There are... Multiple Indian tribes fighting over land. All that's happening in the show. And all this stuff is being cooked up behind the scenes by this character named Kai Proctor. Now, Kai Proctor, uh, he's in his uh, late 40s, early 50s in the show. Formerly was from the Amish community. Was very much physically, emotionally, and probably sexually abused throughout. Ends up getting shunned because of his ways because he starts acting out in anger in his youth and attacking people. He gets shunned and kicked out of his community. So he leaves and he starts doing petty crimes, you know, B&E's, thefts, and eventually works his way up. And he becomes a businessman in this town of Banshee, of which the Amish community is right next door. And his front is he has um, a slaughterhouse. He, he runs the hugest, biggest pig slaughterhouse and farm in Pennsylvania, sends out meat to all over the place. Uh, that's his, like, front. But he uses that to usher in drugs like Molly and other things. He also uh, gets into drug dealings with the cartel. This town is kind of under his thumb and there's nothing they can really do about it because he runs everything. 
illegal and legal. He has his fingers in every pie. The show starts with the town of Banshee getting yet another sheriff because they keep either disappearing, dying, or getting arrested because they're working for Kai Proctor, but yet nobody can ever pin anything on this man. So the show the show starts with just the shadow of this this guy over this entire town. He he runs everything. He is everywhere and people fear him but also love him because the money that he makes from these illegal goods like he puts back into the town besides a lot of the murder that goes on like there it's a pretty nice town there's a, a functioning quote-unquote police department there's all sorts of diversity everywhere and, and like for the most part he really does want to be seen as like this beacon of hope and business and he want he is i, I don't want to use the t-word but he, he i could see him as almost a proto-trump but Whereas he actually has a vision. This man, he loves adulation. He loves power. He wants people to know that he does good things, and he does do good things. But he also wants people to know that he does bad things. He is not afraid to get his hands dirty. He will very much as well send off a henchman to go dispatch somebody, or just roll up his sleeves and snap your neck himself. He has shown time and time again that he will not back down from a fight. He will stand up to anybody, any and all authority, including his parents. There's a, there's a beautiful arc over the four seasons where you see him try to reconnect with his Amish family. Uh, his, his father, basically, there's a scene where his father tells him, I have no son, my son is dead. They kick out, one of the main characters is his niece, Rebecca. They kick her out of the Amish community because she also doesn't believe in the faith as strongly as they are. She, she's not um, as Puritan as they are. And so they kick her, they shut her, and they basically say that she is dead to them. And throughout the entire show, he keeps trying to reconnect with his family, even though he doesn't believe in the faith as strongly as they do. He has his own his own beliefs. Even though his family's, I mean, his father said that his son is dead, he still takes care of them. At the, at the end of one of the seasons, spoilers for an almost 10-year-old show, uh, <laughs> in one of the seasons, his mother starts to fall ill of, I believe, cancer, and he finds out about this because there's nothing anymore they can do within their community. And the father kind of realizes this and comes hat in hand to Kai. And is like, Kai, I, can you please do this? What can you do? And he, without missing a beat, he goes and takes his mother and brings him to a hospital and, you know, puts all this money and, and everything into it, put, you know, puts her in a, in a great suite and she still dies. And it's kind of heartbreaking because you have this guy who his entire life, all he's wanted was love and acceptance from his family. He's been shunned from his mother and father for most of his adult life, most of his his full life. Then when he finally gets to reconnect with his mother, is on her deathbed, and even with all the power and money he has in Banshee, he can't save her. And it's fucking heartbreaking. But on the other side, you've also, by that point, th through three seasons, seen him murder like 15 people. So <laughs> it's kind of hard. So with all that being said... What do you feel drives him as a character? For sure, adulation and power. He wants he he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the man that can get anything done for you and he wants people to know that he's the one that's doing it. He wants he wants everybody to know that you want something done, Kai Proctor's the man that'll get it done for you. Out of every villain that you could have chosen, I mean from across every medium, you went with someone that that's that's I mean in my mind pretty obscure. Why Kai Proctor over literally anybody else? Because you know uh, there there's you know as you mentioned before at the top, me, me and you we are a consumer of culture. You could get you could throw a dart and name any number of people that can talk about any villain from 
a popular comic book. And you could probably pick five people right now that would give you great in-depth details on, like, Thanos. I, you, you, you had Tyler on to talk about Scar. The, mm-hmm. You can get anybody to talk about those because they're so... And there's so great things to be discovered and talked about with those characters. But everybody knows. And that you kind of know the broader strokes. So I figured, okay, let's introduce somebody to a villain that nobody's familiar with. And talk about him and his world a little bit and hope that we can bring other people into this world. I, I've honestly never seen a show and a character on te- you know global television, I'm, I'm sure, I think it was played in other countries, that just, it is, they're, they're just so graphic and in your face and just with want, things just explode with wanton abandon. You don't, you know, m- most villains you see, even like your you're more popular than like your, your, your Vader's and, uh, what's the name of the bad guy from the Tarzan movie? Uh, Oh, um, uh, Clayton. Clayton. Even though he dies kind of a gruesome death on screen, like all the bad things you see these main villains do that people talk about, you really don't see it all happen. It's kind of, you know, it's a shadow or it's cut away and okay, you know, you, you can kind of like out of sight, out of mind. You don't actually, you see the shadow of a guy choking somebody. It's you left to the imagination. Yeah. Not in this show. Oh no. It is up close. It is impersonal. You can see the, you can see the anger and the calculation behind his eyes. You can see, it's, it's really, he is such a great character and the actor, Ulrich Thompson, who plays him, is such a great actor that I really want people to discover this little, this little niche of the world that maybe they might not have seen. I'm 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 already obsessed with this. I it sounds a lot like Ozark, which I really enjoy. I I, th- I think that's that there's a lot of incredible writing in that. But th- but this sounds like that, but on GTA levels of crazy. Oh, very much so. Like it's <laughs> every episode is every single. If you're old enough to have ever been able to traverse inside of a a family video or a blockbuster or a Hollywood video, if you went to like the action section and you looked at any movie from the '80s. Every episode is a movie from the 80s. There's explosions. Usually limbs are being torn off. There's boobs. There's sex. There's a shit ton of swearing. Rinse, recycle, and repeat. It's just every episode. And while this show has a couple villains of the week here and there, Kai Proctor is the effervescent villain over the entire thing. He's not somebody that, you know, a couple seasons in, they go, okay, we finally wrapped up his story. And let's move on. No, he's he's almost the Joker to the main character Lucas Hood's Batman, really, the other couldn't exist anymore. Once they first meet each other and size each other up, the the other one cannot exist without the other one. They're they're gonna go down in a in a fury of flames together. Well, those the, I always find that those are the most intriguing villains, that the ones that are able to be the yin to the hero's yang. Very much, you know, Batman and Joker, or or Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. There is that dichotomy that there is the light and the dark with them. Do you think, with Kai, do you think any of his actions are in any way justified? Or do you think he is just a straight-up monster? Oh, boy. So, uh, depends on, it depends on how you look at what, what you mean by justified. Like, in the terms of he, he comes from a biblical background, he is very much a eye for an eye. You scorn me once, I'm going to scorn you back. Justified in that case, yes. He's not somebody that will, unless they're... There is a reason for it. Usually it's a reason of scorn or somebody has wronged him in some way. 
he won't really act out first. He's not just going to attack somebody and kill somebody willy-nilly because that does him no good. A dead man can't get information. A dead man can't get his money back. And a dead man can't work for him. Also, a dead man tends to cast suspicion on him because you know you can only buy off so many dead men. So he, <laughs> he, he, he's smart in that way. So yeah, is he justified? Is every person that he kills a justifiable kill in that sense? Yeah. But no, he's a god awful human being. Like, I mean, when you, 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 if you look out at the macro, he is all—he is a monster. He's an absolute monster. Let, let, let's delve into let's delve into some craziness. So he he does have a giant Jesus on a crucifix tattooed on his back, which you see often. Like because, you do, yeah, like you do, which you see very often because for some reason he also is like a master of the martial arts. You you'll see random scenes where he's trying to work out some aggression, where it's one of those giant wooden dummies with the multiple arms and he's just there shirtless fucking beating the shit out of this wooden <laughs> dummy and shirtless with his jesus statue on him and then he goes over to some stripper because he also owns a strip club he goes over to some Why stripper not? that well, he brought, you, you yeah, got to yeah and he brings her home and makes her put on an amish uh, uh not a bib uh, a bonnet while she gives him oral oh <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. it's uh, and then, oh, so then... Does, we, does he tell her to churn that butter while she does it? Oh, no, no, complete silence. He kind of just stands there, almost super superhero pose, just lets her do her business. Oh, my God. It's just a transaction why, That's why, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. You see, he do, he, in his mind, though, he does good for her because she's... Uh, She's a single mom, and she's a stripper at his club, and he helps take care of her child and, you know, hooks her up with anything that she needs. So, in his mind, this is the least she could do. That scene in particular is discovered because his niece, Rebecca, who also gets shunned from the community, she ends up living with Kai, that's her uncle, because she has nowhere else to go. He has this huge mansion. And she actually walks in on this happening. Kai looks her straight in the face while getting a beach, and doesn't break eye contact until Rebecca leaves. Later on in one of the seasons, Kai Proctor has a little underling, a right-hand man named uh, Clay Burton. He walks into Kai Proctor's room and, oh, him and his niece are naked in bed together. So they said, yeah, on a macro view, he he is a horrible, disgusting human being. But in his mind... Yes, he, has a, he ends up having a, a brief sexual relationship with Rebecca, but he ends up giving her the strip club. She, she runs, ends up running the strip club. At one point in later seasons, she ends up running one of his drug arms. He gives her things to do and helps bring her up inside his criminal empire to help take care of her. So again, it, it's weird. It's like, oh my God, he just, he just had sex with his sister's daughter, his niece, but their family just threw her out to the wolves and said, you are not our daughter. You are dead to us. Here comes her uncle saying, hey, come live in my house. Oh, by the way, we're, we're having sex too. But she, she also doesn't mind it. Like she's kind of, she kind of hits on him too. It's <sighs> real weird. Like she totally like wants it to happen. I, in my mind, if you watch it, it she's trying to manipulate him a bit. And if that means she has to put out a little bit for her uncle, she will. He also kind of knows that that's why she's doing it, and he doesn't care. Cause... See, now, now I'm starting to understand the Cinemax portion of this entire <laughs> yeah. show. Oh. <laughs> Literally, the introduction to Kai's niece, Rebecca, she's at a bar. She meets the main character. They look at each other. They say a one-word hello. The next hard cut, they're in his apartment above the bar. She's butt naked. They're having sex. That's your introduction to oh. <laughs> And that happens with a random girl in almost every single episode. Amongst all the blood, guts, and drugs. <laughs> it's 
This sounds like and a very like, quaint town. Oh, it's, it's a it's a wonderful little town. It's a wonderful <laughs> town. And like, come and on, like, bring and, the kids. And, and, and to go back to the the yin and yang aspect, there's several points throughout the show where either the the sheriff Lucas Hood has Kai Proctor dead to rights, or Kai Proctor has Lucas dead to rights on something, and they let the other go for whatever reason. Let's uh, the, the, to clue everybody in, the main conceit of the show, I guess I should probably start it off with this before I delve it, but what, it's fine. Eh, never too late. The main conceit of the show is, the main character, Lucas Hood, he is a thief. You end up finding out in later seasons, he's also got like, an infiltration background. He's a, a martial arts expert and a, like a sharpshooter, all sorts of good stuff. But he's also a master thief. So him and this wo- this woman Anna, her father is a Ukrainian mobster named Rabbit from New York City. Just go with me. Um, <laughs> they 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 do this, they do this diamond heist and they end up getting caught in the middle of the diamond heist. Lucas and Anna are in love with each other. They kept that secret from her dad Rabbit. He gives her the diamond, says run off. I'll take the rap. We're going to be fine. He goes to jail for 15 years. Comes out using his friend Joe, played by Hoon Lee. He tracks down where Anna's been living all these years. She's been in Banshee, Pennsylvania. He shows up to collect and finds out she's not only married somebody, the guy who's the mayor of the town, but she now has two kids. One of which you end up finding out is actually his child. Oh. Yeah. So he tries to get her to run away with him. She's like, no, that's not my life anymore. He's like, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to stick around until I get my goddamn diamonds at least. So he goes to the local bar. He sits down at the bar. Donald Faison's character, Sugar, he's a former boxer and ex-con, runs a bar, gives him a drink, and sits down next to this gentleman who is the new sheriff of Banshee. His name is Lucas Hood. Now you might be confused because I was just calling the main character Lucas Hood. Well, here's what happens. In that bar, some guys come in to rob it. Shootout happens. Our main character helps save the sheriff and kills everybody, but the sheriff takes a bullet and dies. So they bury everybody, and as they're burying everyone, the sheriff's phone goes off, and our main character answers the phone and answers as Lucas Hood, the sheriff. So that's how he's able to stick around town until he gets his diamonds or his woman back is because we have an ex-con infiltrator sharpshooter playing the sheriff of this small town that is also under the thumb of this shady businessman. So as you can see how they kind of are diametrically applied, they, they both do nasty things as a means to an end. So no one in this town is a good person. <laughs> there, there are some that start out good, and uh, like there's one character, he's he's always wanted to be the sheriff. He's always wanted to bring down Proctor, but do it the right way. And Has he, he tried becoming a, sh- a thief first? Well, by the fourth season, there's a character who kills somebody, and he's crying. He's like, I, I, I didn't want to do it this way. I guess that's, you know, I, I was trying to, to help him. And this character, who has been like a beacon almost the entire time, is like, well, sometimes that's just the way law has to be done, Banshee. And I'm like, no! What is happening? Final thoughts on Kai Proctor. What does he mean to you personally? So... I, I, I've done I've done theater uh, for a good portion of my life, and most of the time, the parts that I usually play are either comedic relief or villains. I'm very I'm very rarely ever the straight man, and that's fine. Villains of comedic relief usually have the best, most memorable parts, and who doesn't love a good death scene? Kai is a great villain to play because of those layers. There are scenes where you'll see him unleash a fury from such a a steadfast standing position. And just the way he speaks at you, you your, your balls just shrivel up. But you, And then you'll also see scenes where just as, like a rabid animal, he is beating a person unconscious into death with his bare fists. Like, th- th- this is a man that is just 
there's so much going on behind his eyes and you, you can never know. Does he mean you harm? Does he mean you good? If you do something for him and you owe him a favor, he owes you a favor. What's that favor going to be? Is it gonna... He's got so many things going on behind the scenes that, that that would just it's it's just such a stellar character, and you really don't see a lot of villains like that anymore. A lot of you know a lot of these TV shows that run multiple seasons, you'll have like a big bad that is maybe the whole first season, the first two seasons, and kind of disappears. He is the evervescent presence of Banshee. There's Lucas Hood and there's Kai Proctor. You cannot have one without the other. And I, I love, I love, and, and he's played by a relative unknown to the United States. Prior to this, he was in the Hitman movie with Timothy Oliphant. Of course. Uh, <laughs> a classic. Yeah. And he, he, he had a couple of like random TV appearances, but he wasn't really known in the United States. This is his first like big starring role. I believe he's in every single episode. If not, maybe he's not in one of them. It's, it's, it's just, it's, we've fallen in love with our villains a lot. You know, people love a good villain, you know, Breaking Bad. To a lesser extent, Don Draper and Mad Men. Like, people like a good villain or a, an anti-villain or, you know, a, a nice antagonist. This is one that I think people need to pay attention to more because it's it's got everything everybody loves from other villains, but all put together as one. It's got gore. It's got great dialogue, great acting, amazing sense of presence cool ass dialogue it's just got everything in one i think more people should know about this character to, to, to throw out a couple other um uh hopefully we can get some cross promotion too i actually first discovered this show from another podcast called high and mighty with john gabris they actually have a couple of episodes when the fourth season was they they did um little mini episodes every couple of weeks where him and a bunch of his friends would just rent a, a an old 80s movie and just kind of do like commentary about it and laugh and like drink and, and, and make fun of the movie like how awesome it is and they discovered Banshee and so when the fourth season was coming out they knew it was gonna be the last season they actually changed the podcast for eight weeks to be a week-by-week breakdown of the episode and they got some of the, unfortunately all Rick Thompson didn't come on it, but they got some of the other actors and the the showrunner and creator on there to talk about the show, and that's how I discovered these guys talking about like how this crazy action TV show. I'm like, let me check this out, and instantly fell in love. Instantly fell in love. Like I I have not shown this show to a person who's turned around and said, oh yeah, that was fine. Like everybody has loved this show because there's nothing like it there are no characters in the show like there's not another villain like kai proctor there's not he is he's so good (laughs) he's so good he's such a good villain listen if you want me to talk about kai proctor some more we can can do that all. i mean hey if you got more to say about kai proctor far be it from me to stop you at this point i'm trying to think there's anything else i I can add to there's so many stories of craziness in the show like okay so as I mentioned, there's there's you know there's Amish people, there's Native American tribes. So during season three, we have Lucas Hood and his thieving gang trying to rob illegally captured money that this army base is hiding from the U.S. Army. They're trying to break into that. Meanwhile, Kai Proctor is trying to start his own drug business and get out of Pennsylvania with the Mexican cartels. Also, there's white supremacists that just showed up in the neighborhood because, of course, because why not? Yeah, and then so the Native American tribes—they're mad that about the business that Kai Proctor used to do with their former tribes leader Alex Longshadow. He dies, what a name. and so this 
I, the, the names are fantastic. And so this new giant Native American gentleman who takes over, the, takes over, shows up and holds the police district. It's kind of like, was it not taking a Pelham one, two, three? What's the other John Carpenter movie? Uh, were they were they uh the bad guys hold everybody uh, held up in a prison? Oh 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 my God! We we watched it together. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's his first movie. Uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yes. So yes, yes, there it is. It's kind of like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where earlier in the episode, Hood is getting ready to leave because everything's falling apart. He's just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna leave you all to your business. Life is better before I show up here. But as a parting gift, I'm going to fucking murder Kai <laughs> So he, he shows up to Kai Proctor's place. And, like, they recently just had, like, a not a bro approval. Like, we're going to kind of space each other out for a minute. And Hood just rolls up and just starts fucking going into Kai <laughs> And they go back and forth for, like, an eight-minute fight scene. Finally, they get they get arrested by the police. They get broken up and thrown in jail. Well, not Hood because he's the sheriff. But Proctor gets thrown in jail along with a couple other people. And his lawyer shows up. And then here comes the Native American tribe. And they want a couple of the Amish kids that were stuck in the jail because they think they killed one of their tribesmen. And they'll also take Proctor, too, because fuck Proctor because of his dealing with Alex Long Shadow. So they're all trapped in this jail. The cops, these bad Amish kids, a couple gangbangers, and Kai Proctor. And what does Lucas do? Opens up the jail cell, tosses him a gun, like, let's do this. And they fucking, him and Kai start shooting the fucking everybody and, and he helps them in fact there's one point where it looks like they're going to be taken over and they need backup and Lu- the sheriff Lucas Hood looks at Kai and says if we let you if if we hold them off will you send help for us and he goes I'll do what I can and they open up the back door and they they cover him and they let Kai Proctor go and you know what he sends for reinforcements and he comes back like this man who is just about to get murdered by this cop like Ten hours ago, saves them like it, because they need each other. It's like it's such, you don't see that a lot. It's such a weird, weird like almost bromance. <laughs> it 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 kind of reminds me of uh, another character that you and I are very familiar with. There's a book series called The Dresden Files. He uh, sounds very similar to Johnny Marcone. Yes, yeah, Marcone's a little bit more sarcastic. He will let you know that he wants you to know that he's the big boy in charge. Proctor wants you to know that he's a big boy in charge, but he won't. He won't flat out tell you. Uh, I, there's actually no. I lied. There is one scene. He goes up to his father after they had kicked out Rebecca. He goes up to his father and tries to talk to him, like you know, you, you do what you want with me. I'm an adult, but why would you do this, girl? You know, you're supposed to be these religious people, you know, but yet you shun this person. And the father says, you know, says Elijah, like, you know, my son died all these years ago and I mourned him. I will not mourn him. Please get off my land. And for the first time, really, that I can remember the whole series, he lets you know. And he looks at his father and he goes, just so you know, you guys live here because I allow it. No God allows it. I allow it. And if I wanted you gone, no God up there could protect you from me. And I'm like, <laughs> like but, but normally he doesn't do that. Normally he likes to be, you know, somebody will whisper to somebody else, what, her Kai Proctor put some money into the school system, blah, blah. And he'll just be like, uh-huh. like he, he, he wants people to know, but he'll just be like, oh, no. Well, he surrounds himself in mystery, the- but every now and then he's got to whip the dick out and be like, listen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, God. And then the fourth, the fourth and final season, I forgot he actually does become mayor. And oh God, he, that's great! <laughs> and our, our our boy, who has wanted to be sheriff, head sheriff the entire time, ends up becoming sheriff Brock. But he's under the thumb 
of Kai Proctor, which is what he has fought against his entire time that he was, he's was he been a cop in this town, and it eats him alive. And you get to see just how much of a, a, of a tyrant Kai Proctor is and how people, it's the lesser of, of, of two evils. Like, yes, this is an evil man that's controlling our town now. He's the mayor. But... You know, as long as we kind of turn our turn our eye to a gangbanger murder here or, you know, an OD here, the streets are good, the infrastructure's good, like we have a decent school system, like, I don't know what to do. Do the means <laughs> justify the ends. Exactly. And then, yeah, that, that, and that, that's Kai Proctor. Kai Proctor is that really in a nutshell. He is, he is a man that knows the means to an end and will enact that means to an end whether himself or he'll have somebody else do it. But he, he will make it happen. Tony, thanks again for being on this show. Thanks for having <laughs> like, me. This uh, is dope, yeah. This is, this is just good shit. I'm going to leave a link for an organization called Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS in the description below. Uh, Tony, is there anything you'd like to say about them? This is one of my favorite charities. You know, normally during non-COVID-related times, I probably would be at a Broadway show easily once a month, if not twice a month. It's a, you know, I know a lot of actors in the industry, and I know that this is a, a disease that affects everybody outside of actors, but, you know, a lot of actors don't have proper health plans and aren't able to take care of themselves if they are to contract this disease and so I, I really think it's a great cause to fight for and every time I go see a show when there's a, a Broadway fights AIDS moment I always donate a little something the, the last time I actually did and the last time they had one was uh, I went and saw Come From Away and uh, I paid 100 bucks and got uh, a poster signed by everybody uh, I think I, I, I always try to donate even if I only have a couple bucks in my pocket I always try to give as much money to them as I can because I think it's a really really worthy cause and especially now when you know, people are out of work and they, they don't have health care. Uh, this is a special time that, that we need, you know, that people need help. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you to Ross Lampert for composing the theme song to this podcast. He's a brilliant dude, and if you're in the market for any music production needs, head on over to his website at daggerandink.com. And thank you, listener, for carving out a little bit of time for us today. If you like the show, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Villainology Podcast. Drop us a review if you like what we're doing. Uh, and give us a comment on who you would like to see discussed next. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Stay foolish, mortals. <laughs>